that's going to help her right now, but something that she can carry with her that will take her through the different seasons in her life and that she can go back to over and over. And I was just asking, Lord, Lord, I don't really know anything to say that would help somebody like that because that's sort of like a big, big picture word. So we sat down and I said, well, this is what I think the Lord wants to tell you, Grace. And I didn't have anything at that moment, but I opened my mouth and I had these words I gave her. And uh, I thought, man, that is just the most wise thing I've ever heard myself say. <laughs> How did I come up with that? <laughs> Actually, I didn't. It was the Lord. And um, yeah, amen. It was really the Lord for her. And of course, I'm giving, I'm going to give you the same message, but this is the not the father to daughter version. This is the pastor to the church version. Okay. But I wanted to share this with you to tell you how I got this, because I really believe it really is the Lord for us. And I believe it's the Lord for you on an individual level. And I believe if you will take this, this word and uh, take it into your life, um, that over the long haul as a Christian, that you'll be real fruitful and that you'll be able to withstand the different seasons of life that come your way. Um, as you live your Christian life, as you live your natural life, that you'll be able to withstand those things and still, in, in the end, your relationship with the Lord will stand firm and that you will have a good relationship with the Lord. So, amen? Y'all with me? So, I want you to turn to Luke. Now, I'm turn to Luke 5. I'm just going to... I didn't give her. I didn't tell her all this stuff. I mean, I just... I told her the, the punchline. <laughs> but I'm going to... It's all in the Bible. It was really... But I'm going to give it to you so you can really chew on it. But I want to read Luke 5. And then at the end today, we want to pray for Deanna, who is moving to Spain. She's going to Spain. This is her last day before she goes to Spain. So I got this note here to help me remember because I have a short memory. But Luke 5, chapter 1, or verse 1. Uh, so it was, as the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake Genseret. I guess that's how you say that. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Um, you know, the Lord just did different things. You know what I'm saying? He didn't do everything... All, you know, this time he wasn't healing. He was out there in a boat just teaching. So he, he does, does different stuff. And when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep and let your net down for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. I was... Uh, in the uh, Amplified Bible, I love the way it says that, the way in verse 5 Peter says, On the ground of your word, on the ground of your word, I will lower the nets. And, and that's really, this is really where I want to come from, on, on the ground of the word of God. Okay, now erase everything you're thinking about the word of God. Just put it aside for a moment, except for it, that's exactly that's what it is. Because I want you to, I want you to hear this from a different angle. Okay, this is a different approach. 
Because what I want this is what I want to talk to you about is I want to talk about building your life on the ground of God's word. And that's nothing there's nothing profound about that for sure. Uh, but I have found as a Christian for a long time, I've been a Christian for a pretty good long time now, over twenty five years, that there's things that we tend to try to build our life on that ultimately will not work. And I'm not talking about bad things. I'm talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about things of God. Okay? Things of God. I've seen this over and over. So there's three things that I, I feel like that I want to say to you this morning that we have a tendency as Christians to try to build our life on. And over and over and over in my life, because I've done it, I'm guilty of it. You're guilty of it. Uh, many other people that are, which I consider to be more spiritual than I, are guilty of it. Is there's three things I've seen that I've, I've narrowed it down to. Is one is circumstance. Two is doctrine. Okay, doctrine. That should that'll probably make somebody nervous. Now I'm talking about not building your life on doctrine. And then the rest of you who feel smug over there because you haven't felt challenged is uh, the move of the Holy Spirit. Okay? There's three things that I want to tell you today that we should not build our life on. Okay? As Christians. Now, that might, you might be getting like, what, are, you know, what's, what is this? A new teaching. Um, I think we can and we should build our life with circumstances. We should build our life with doctrine. We should build our life with moves of the Holy Spirit, but we should not build our life on them. Okay? We should not build our life on them. Because if we build our life on any one of those three things, we are going to be disappointed. We're going to be let down. And I, and I can show you this. I'm going to show you this from the Bible. So are you all with me? I was wondering about what, is kind of, what kind of teaching is this. That don't sound like the word of wisdom. I want you to, I want, let's do circumstance first. That's easy. Everybody can probably go with me on that one. But I want you to just, I want to just tell you a few things about circumstances. Turn over to Acts chapter 27. Acts chapter 27. This is the story we know so well about the great shipwreck that Paul got into. And this is what I want to just want to read this little bit and talk about circumstances just for a moment. Verse 9. It says, Now when much time, verse 9, Acts chapter 27, Now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster. And much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion was more persuaded by the helmsman and the owner of the ship than by the things spoken by Paul. And because the harbor was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised to set sail from there also, if by any means they could reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, opening towards the southwest and northwest, and winter there. It's pretty, pretty detailed, you know, information here. When the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had attained their desire. Everybody say supposing. Anybody ever suppose something? <laughs> supposing they had attained their desire, putting out to sea, they sailed close by Crete. 
But not long after, a tempestuous headwind arose. And, of course, we know the rest of the story, what happened. Well, I think circumstances alone in your life can be very misleading. If you live and base your life on what's currently happening, uh, circumstantially, you're, you're falling. You're going you're, you're to make a big mistake. Because circumstance-wise, it said it here, this was not a good situation to winter in. That was their circumstance. It was not a good place for that boat to be. Yet God had something else to say about it. But the people chose to allow them circum- their circumstances to lead and direct their lives. And because they did, it ended in disaster. And it was only by God's mercy that they didn't lose their lives. Uh, and it was because Paul was there and Paul prayed for them and interceded for them. And, and it goes on and tells it, the Lord, the Lord said, I've, I've give you the, give, given you the lives of these people, Paul. In other words, those people really should have died. But because the Apostle Paul was present with them, they didn't die. Okay? But because they had led by circumstances, there's a great scripture. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man. This is Proverbs 14, 12. But its end is the way of death. Its end is the way of death. And I have seen so many times in my experience, Christians, I'm talking about circumstances that seem to be of God. Okay, that seem to be the right thing. That we take those circumstances and we live our, we base our life on them. We base our life on them, and we wind up getting hurt. We wind up getting disappointed because circumstances, uh, favorable circumstances, are deceiving. But let me also say this: um, when we're really seeking to follow the Lord, favorable circumstances may never come our way. In other words. There's a time when God speaks to you and tells you to do something, okay? And we're waiting on the circumstances to get right before we do it. And when God is saying, no, I want you to go ahead, and when you get there, the circumstances will be right. You hear what I'm saying to you? You know, a lot of times God calls you to do stuff, you don't really have the money to do it. So we're going to wait till we get the money, and then we'll do it. You'll never get the money. You've got to go ahead and step into what God's spoken to you, into your life. And halfway into it, you're not going to have the money. You hear what I'm saying to you? Halfway into it, you won't have the money. Three quarters away into it, you won't have the money. But when you're there, when you need the money, when it has to be there, and God said it had to be there at that moment, it'll be there. But you, if you would have waited back here, it's like I was talking to a friend of mine this week about having kids. How many in this room waited until they was ready to have kids before they had them? I mean, I'm still not ready to have kids. <laughs> and I've got three of them that are grown, almost grown now. I've got one grown, one, one near about grown, and one thinking he's grown. <laughs> so I was never ready to have kids. I was never ready to get married. I wasn't ready to get married. I was so immature and foolish. You hear what I'm saying to you? Uh, when we were in Zimbabwe, there was a man that came. as one of one of my favorite speakers over there. He was not a preacher. He was a he owned a bank owned a bank called Kingdom Bank. He was a Christian banker, very impressive man. He had a TV show over there, uh, so they brought him to the conference to speak about being a banker. And this is what he said. It's something he said. I mean, he, he like gave four reasons. Like this is great what he did. He had his wife to stand up. He said, "Isn't she a beautiful, lovely wife?" And she was. And you know, he said, "Why do I want to get up out in the morning and leave this beautiful woman there?" you know, in the bed, and me go off to work. Why do I do that? And he gave reasons. 
four reasons. And his last reasons was to make money. That was okay, lots of money. He's making, in fact, his bank made like a billion dollars or something. This guy's incredible. It's Zim dollars, which is different, but still, that's a lot of all Zim dollars, a billion. A billion anything is a lot. He's a very successful, wealthy Christian businessman. He was at this conference speaking to a bunch of Africans and a few white folk from North America. And one of the things he said, he said, a lot of people see, uh, where a lot of people see danger and trouble, I see opportunity. Where a lot of people see danger and trouble, I see opportunity. And he was saying that's one of the reasons I'm successful. is Because I don't, when I look at a circumstance and a situation, I read that situation. And see, that's what we've got to learn how to do. We've got to start reading it. See, a lot of times, you know, economically over there, it's bad. But he's doing things that other banks are failing to do because he's not looking at them from natural eyes. He's reading them from a spiritual standpoint. He's getting the information like Paul got about the situation. What has God got to say about these circumstances? See, today a businessman may say, this is not a good time to go in business. The economy's falling apart. That's, what, that's natural. We need to understand that and hear that. But God may tell you something completely opposite. You hear what I'm saying to you? He may tell you something completely opposite. And you're going to have to see by faith to be able to do those things. And that's why I'm talking about building your life, not building your life on circumstances, but building your life with circumstances. Allowing those circumstances to serve you. Now, this is what I was trying to tell Grace. Grace, here's the bottom line. You feel like God has spoken to you and told you to be a physician assistant. Well, there's going to be a lot of circumstances in your life that's going to come against you to try to tell you to do something different. In fact, there are going to be spiritual things that are going to tell you to do that. There could be a revival that would happen in the church which could lead you away from that. But don't do it. Because build on what God told you. Build on His Word, not what's happening around you. If God said do it, then you had to go to college. You had to go to PA school. You had to be prepared. That's what you had to do with your life to get there. You're building on His Word, not on what's happening around you. And if God's called you to do something and said something to you, spoken something into your life, now you're going to have to go through preparation. You're going to have to go through dealings. You're going to do all that. I'm not bypassing any of that because I promise you, you'll go through it. That's God's will for your life. It's like she's got to go to college. She's taking organic chemistry. That's a hard subject. But if you want to do what you want to do, you've got to take organic chemistry. You've got to take molecular biology. You've got to learn these things. If you believe God has said, do this with your life. This is the things you have to do. You build on His Word, not what everybody else is doing. Because your friends may be taking, you know, basket weaving 101, you know, and having a good time and wanting you to drag you off to have a good time with them, but you can't be drug off. You hear what I'm saying to you this morning? And you could be a Christian business person today, looking at the economy. Or you could be somebody you feel like God's got a ministry calling off, looking at your situation, saying there's no way. Well, of course, there is no way. But what did God say? Build on what God has said, not on what your circumstances tell you. Because I promise you, you'll get off the beam if you let circumstances dictate to you otherwise. First uh, Chronicles 12:32 speaks of the sons of Issachar. It says, They had understanding of the times and knew what Israel was supposed to do. They had understanding of the times. Do you, do you have understanding of the times you live in? This morning, I mean, that's really what I'm talking about, is understanding what's going on, not just from a natural, but we do need to gather natural data. Well, what's the economy doing? We need to gather these things, look at what's happening around us. But what has God got to say about it? 
And what does God have to say in terms of your life of what God said about your life? Because many times the things that God has said about your life, circumstances will be contrary to. They will say no. You, are you with me? Okay, let's go to the next one, which is a little bit more traumatic. Turn over to Ephesians 4, and I want to read verse 13 through 15. And I'm going to stoop down here and read it out of the New American Standard Bible. That's a stoop. I'm a New King James man. So, my, you know, I, I encourage you to read the Bible of your choice. <laughs> and that's because that's what I do. <clears throat> and this is uh, right after the great chapter about equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Y'all wait. Amen. Ephesians 4, um, verse 13. I'm just, it's weird just starting out a, until, a, word, a sentence with until, but we're going to do it. So, you know, it's talking about, you know, the, the ministry, the evangelists and pastors and prophets and apostles and all that, doing their job, what they're supposed to do, and their job will be done until certain things happen. In other words, uh, pastoring is not an eternal job. It's supposed to come to an end. Prophet is not an eternal job. It's, it's got an end to it. You know, evangelism's got an end to it. It's, it's got an end, you know, a goal. You know, probably the only two things that I know are biblically that doesn't have an end to is intercession, because the Bible says Jesus ever lives to intercede. So we may quit interceding, but He's going to keep doing it forever. But I think worship's something that will never end. You know, so if you really want to have a major in your life, I think the Bible's clear that that's what we're going to do forever. And, you know, some of us probably say, well, I'm resting so I have plenty of energy to worship in heaven. That's why we don't worship today, but... Just encourage you to be a worshiper, you know, because that's something that's going to happen for all eternity. Uh, that we're going to be falling, throwing our crowns at the Lord's feet, and because it'll take Him for all eternity to show all His different aspects and different faces. I don't know. I was trying to count up the different faces of God that I've personally experienced, and I can possibly say three faces of God that I've experienced in my life. And when I say faces, characters, the character of God that's been revealed in a powerful way to me. Uh, and, and I think he's probably got billions. There's billions of people on the earth, and there's billions of the character. That was a side issue. But amen. Let's be worshipers. Let's be worshipers. Because the Lord's worthy to be worshipped. That's why let's be worshipped, because he's worthy. No other reason. No other reason's good. But then it says, Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's Pretty powerful mouthful there, but I don't want to be messing with that one. Then it says, As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up into all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. That's, man, that's, that is a lot of stuff they're saying right there. I mean, it's not easy to... I mean, when I'm reading, I'm thinking, what in the world is all this? Uh, but in verse 14 there, he talks about waves, okay? Waves, that we wouldn't be tossed here and there by waves. And then he talks about wind of doctrine. So waves of the Spirit, that's the second thing I want to address, about not building on waves of the Spirit, but building with waves of the Spirit. Now, for all the real 
charismatic people, spirit-filled people, Pentecostal people, that's probably walking on thin ice with you. But let me read this thing that Francis Frangipane wrote that I thought was just pure excellent. Okay? I'm going to read this. This is, this is not my, But he says it so well. He says, A wave is a spiritual phenomenon that sweeps over a church or a city. It's a spiritual high tide where we can be washed and healed. That sounds great, doesn't it? Send a wave, Lord. I want to be washed and healed. A true spiritual wave can release wonderful joy, bring healing to areas within us otherwise untouched by God. Yet, if we are following after waves, we should be aware that the tide that comes in with manifestations and blessing also goes out. Now, that is really the truth. That's the truth. You hear, hear that? The wave that comes in, the move of the Lord that comes in, the move of the Spirit that comes into a church or a place, with all its blessing, will go out. It will go out. And, and maybe there will be one that will come in and will never go out, but we have not experienced that wave yet in the church. This is where we're at today. Okay? There's been waves, different waves that have come into the church, and they've been so blessed. But every one of those waves have gone out. They went back out. Okay? When the wave is over, it does not mean that God has abandoned us or that His purpose for our life has changed. Did you hear that? When it's over, it does not mean we are abandoned by God. It does not mean God's eternal purpose for you has changed. It just means it's over. And stop acting like it's not. Because it's over. It's time to do something else. And you know what it's time to do? Get on your surfboard and go back out there in the water and wait on the next wave. It's not time just to walk away from God. And a lot of people do that. They'll get caught up in a wave, a move of the Spirit, and they get so blessed and so touched, their life so changed, but then it comes to an end, they wonder what happened. And they, a lot of people leave the Lord. That's why in the Bible it talks about good fish and bad fish, and they're throwing some out. It's because some couldn't make it. And I, what you, that's why you can't build your life on these waves. Anybody ever spent a day in the ocean? When we were younger, we'd go out in the ocean. We'd stay there all day long on these rubber rafts. That was before they had boogie boards and surfboards. And when you get into bed at night and close your eyes, you were back in the ocean. You felt like you were going. Well, let me tell you, you can't build on that. And we have rebuked people and rebuked people and rebuked people about not partaking in the moves of the Spirit. But we need to rebuke ourselves about trying to build on them. Because they're not meant to be built on. You don't build your house on a wave. There's something else you build it on. You take those waves and you use them. You let them give you momentum. You let them carry you somewhere. You let them do something with your life. You don't reject them. Shame on everybody who rejects them. Because we've all rejected them, I think. Different waves of God. I've rejected certain waves of God and wound up getting rebuked but, and missing, you know, missing good things. But we've got to not build on them. And that was one of the things I was telling Grace. Grace, there's going to be things that are going to happen in the church where you're going and everything else that's going to try to pull you away from your purpose. I'm talking about waves of the Spirit that can pull you away from your purpose. Don't let it. Let it help you with your purpose. In other words, here's what could happen. The Lord could start moving powerfully. Okay, I'm just being real practical here. And they could, you know, be waves of the Spirit that would come in where people would be touched by God and be up to 2 and 3 and 4 o'clock in the morning getting blessed and getting touched. But if you've got an 8 o'clock organic chemistry class, somewhere something's going to have to give at some point in time. You hear what I'm saying to you? 
somewhere you're going to have to make a decision. Did God tell me to take organic chemistry to be a PA? And if He did, I'm going to fail this thing if I don't get my act in class and go to bed. I'm going to have to leave the meeting at 10.30. You know? That's practicality. That's reality. Are you all with me? And I, I'm believing in those waves. I'm hoping for three and four and five and six and all-night prayer meetings and all that stuff where God's moving powerfully. But you know, if you've got to get up and go to work the next day to feed your family and do those things, you better make sure you do. If you build your life on waves, it's going to be a bumpy life. Build with them. Let the moves of the Spirit carry you. Let the move of the Spirit do things in your life. But don't try to build your life on them. I know churches that built their lives on moves that are not here today. They crumbled because the wave ended. And when it was over, they didn't have anything because they didn't build on the right thing. And I'm going to tell you what the right thing is. I mean, you know, I've already told you, but I'm going to tell you some better stuff on it. Are y'all with me? So I've really gotten the, the charismatic and Pentecostal ones in here. I think I've gotten you good. But now I want to go to you doctrine people. You, uh, we're the Word of God crowd. Okay, I want to get you now. Because you deserve to be gotten. Just like the charismatics deserve to be gotten. And I'm so glad we have people in this room that love the movie of the Holy Spirit. And I'm so glad we have people in this room that love the Bible and love to study the Bible and want to do it and want to take the Bible and, and slap some people who love to flop around on the floor upside the head with it. I appreciate that because I think they're both valuable. But he talked about here uh, and cared about by every wind of doctrine. This does not have to be wrong doctrine. Okay? Bad doctrine. It's not, that's not what Paul said when he was writing. He's not saying evil doctrine, doctrines of demons, doctrine of men. He's just saying wind of doctrine. And I think wind of doctrine is this, overemphasized truth. In other words, truth that's out of proportion. Truth that's out of proportion. You hear what I'm saying to you? Here's an example. I think it's a truth that's out of proportion in some circles. Not in our circle. I'm trying to figure out one in our circle. I'll get one. But prosperity doctrine in some places is a truth out of proportion. You hear what I'm saying to you? I, in fact, I know my, my sister-in-law goes to a church that the prosperity doctrine is... is is a truth out of proportion. In fact, that's all they preach about all the time, everywhere. The guy, the pastor, is a tremendous fellow. He's very gifted. He's very pastoral. He is very loving. I think he's got a genuine call on his life, but I wanted to tell him so bad, you really want to have a church? Then you need to find something else to talk to the people about besides prosperity. Because you, that's, all, that's your whole focus in life, and, and it ain't working. <laughs> I mean, you're not prosperous, and they're not prosperous, and the church is not prosperous. It's overemphasized. I think in the Pentecostal church, and this is not a downgrade on the Pentecostal at all, it's at you know, traditional Pentecostal, tongues was overemphasized. Speaking in tongues was overemphasized to the detriment of tongues. And it caused a lot of people, just like it's called a lot of people, to reject the prosperity doctrine. And I believe there's, there's some good truth in the prosperity doctrine. I believe there's some things that we need to hear. And I believe God does raise up churches and raise up streams in the body to teach us those things. Okay? But we can't overemphasize I think, you know, God raised up the Pentecostal church to teach us about speaking in tongues. That's one of the things they were, were given to us for. However, you can go too far, and I think in some 
Pentecostal churches, not all of them, that would be a fool thing to say, but some have overemphasized that truth and has caused a lot of people, a lot of good, sound Christian people to reject speaking in tongues because there's been such an excess thrown at them. That's right. So you can't overemphasize it. Um, we were in a church and it had a doctrine, an emphasis on Christian community. Okay, you know what Christian community is? It's what the Bible calls fellowship. In Acts, where they lived, you know, and gave to each other. That is a wonderful truth in the Bible. Okay? Of people living in community around each other and sharing things, you know, sharing lives, sharing natural things. Great teaching, but man, what happened was it became a central focus. And guess what happened to that church? It's gone. It's not here today. Because it tried to build on a truth that was out of proportion to what the rest of the Bible said. You hear what I'm saying to you? We can't take one thing in the Bible and build our lives on that one thing. That's wrong. That's not biblical Christianity. And I'm going to show you in a minute some things that even Jesus said about that. 